Good afternoon, this is Pastor Logan uh, with our Wednesday uh, Bible study. And uh, so we're going to continue in our journey on uh, the book uh, Celebration of Disciplines by Richard J. Foster. And again, uh, I really want you to, to grab hold to the principles that he's teaching uh, in this particular book. Um, it's really, and I, and I mean this with all sincerity, and this is not to, to make uh, some people seem inferior and some uh, superior in their spiritual walk, but it really is for the serious um, believer who really wants to grow and develop and be transformed by the Word of God, to have the Word of God impact all areas of their life, to integrate God's Word and God's Spirit in all aspects of their life. And um, I, I'm not certain that everyone is that serious about it. You know, just recently... I'll share this with you. That's the doorbell. <laughs> Just recently, um, uh, I, I, uh, I I learned something new about golf, and so I've been on this journey—not real serious, but getting more serious as each day goes by. Uh, about you know, just becoming more competitive, more uh, better, uh, and enjoying the game more and and more consistent. Uh, not so much to beat anyone, but just to beat myself, you know, beat myself into, in, in, in a sense of, of being a more competitive player uh, with myself and being more consistent. And so <clears throat> along this journey, excuse me, you learn a lot because there's so much to learn about golf. And if you're just recreational about it, like I was for many years, you really don't go to the depths of, of, of growing as you would like to. So as I'm out there and, and each time I'm, I'm learning new things and new things and, uh, and I fix one thing and find something else that's wrong. But the only reason way you can continue growing is to learn that there's more to know and, and to constantly correct yourself, uh, constantly be, have others in your life that can speak into your life they can guide you to becoming a better whatever. In this case, it's golf. But in the case of life, <coughs> excuse me, in case of, of our spiritual journey, we should all be uh, that serious, but far more serious. Because this has to do with eternal life. This has to do with life itself. And so I really want you to grasp that, uh, that principle there. Uh, the reason... Uh, um, I use golf as, as, a, as an, an analogy to what we're learning in, in these celebrational disciplines uh, is because it, it's that multifaceted. It, it has that many layers to it. Golf has so many layers uh, to it uh, to learn. And you'll learn, I heard an 80-year-old guy on a video recently say that um, uh, I, he is still learning more about golf every day. I'm like, you've been playing about your life. How can you learn more? Well, that's how that's how I walk with Christ is. There's always more to learn. There's always more intricacies to developing uh, uh, into Christ-likeness. So uh, I guess you know what's been on my mind lately, uh, golf. But, but, uh, um, but it is a great analogy to learning more about um, our walk with Christ. You got to be serious. Got to be serious minded about it because there's depths to Christ that you can only get to by continuing your journey. All right. So 
We're talking about the discipline of guidance. Uh, Richard J. Foster, we're in this book here. So here we go. Number one, the, asp the apostolic band did not leap from ground zero to the dizzy heights of spirit rulership in a single bound. Neither will we, for the most part, they moved into the realm one step at a time, sometimes moving forward a bit, sometimes withdrawing. But by the time of Pentecost had come, they were, well, they were prepared people. Uh, that's basically what I was just saying in my introduction. You know, we're talking about being spirit-led people, being led by the spirit corporately. And, uh, and I like the way this says it here. You don't just jump right in there and, and, and all of a sudden you're going to start living and walking and, and, and being guided by the spirit. But you take small steps. You learn, you grow, and you'll never know how much you need to grow until you've actually started the journey. And the more you learn, the more you'll know you'll need to learn. And um, so it, it's saying that in this first part here, uh, spirit rulership is, uh, in a, it's, not it's not spirit rulership in a single bound. This is something that we practice. This is our lifestyle. And so once you become a Christian, like everyone's thing wants to ring off on me this today. You join the practice, the practice of becoming a disciple of Christ. You join the practice of knowing Him. You, you join. It is a practice. It is something that we daily grow into. I'm sorry for that interruption there. Number two so says, so, so, rather you, so rather than sally off to conquer the world, of the spirit, most of us need to begin with more modest steps. One of the best ways to learn is from models of people who have struggled corporately to hear the voice from on high. You know, how many friends do you have? And sometimes our friends are relegated to just the number of people around us. But you can befriend a person that you've never known by reading a book by them. Or, or getting to know them uh, by things that have been said about them. And, and so when you study the, the old fathers of the faith, you're learning and growing into an intimate relationship with people who have, who have trekked, just like you and I are trekking right now in the, in the um, realm of the spirit. And they didn't get there overnight. None of us get there overnight. It has to do with our desire to get there. How much do you want to be led by the Spirit? How much do you want to be Spirit-ruled? And so we can learn by those people who have gone before us, whose lives have been documented. You learn from their lives. You learn how they learn how to listen to the Spirit of God. You know, there are wonderful biographies out there, or autobiographies, uh, like John G. Lake. You, uh, here's a man that spent time in Africa. Uh, and you, you listen to his, uh, you look at his life, and you look at how he grew. This guy grew. No one just gets there overnight. We go, we grow into things. There's another guy that I that really challenges me when I read his books. Um, his name is oh man, it just left my mind. Let's see if I have his book around here somewhere. Um, uh, gosh, uh, what is his name? Um, Reese uh, Howell, and uh, and this guy is a phenomenal man of the spirit, uh, phenomenal in how he grew from being not born again, 
but having a reverence for the things of God, to getting born again by the Spirit of God, to learning how to live his life by attending to the Spirit, being led completely and wholly by the Spirit, took him on journeys, uh, took him places. He learned how to hear what the Spirit of God wanted. Um, you know, uh, um, Smith Wigglesworth is another person like that who uh, who was who was a, a rank sinner, who uh, as he received Christ, he learned how to walk by the Spirit. You can read works of of uh, Smith Wigglesworth. There are people like uh, uh, even more. Um, uh, uh, closer uh, to, to our time, contemporary, but now deceased, but um, uh, people like uh, Derek Prince. Uh, man, what a man of God uh, to listen to his stories and listen to how he learned how to hear the Spirit of God, how he dealt with demonic warfare. Uh, books like that, um, and even more contemporary, people like uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin, you learn things from uh, Dr. Price, um, uh, Dr. Um, uh, um, um, uh, Franklin, uh, uh, Billy, uh, Billy Graham. I mean, these are people that we can we can befriend by way of their documents and learn how they grew. They didn't just get there overnight. They grew. They grew into walking in the Spirit, learning how to attend to the Spirit, and we can do the same. Um, one of the stories about. Um, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, and we'll read that. One of the most delightful examples comes from the poor little monk of Assisi, St. Francis. Francis, it seems, was in great agony of doubt about whether he should devote himself only to prayer and meditation, which was a common practice in those days, or whether he should also engage in preaching missions. Wisely, Francis sought out counsel, as the holy humility that was in him did not allow him to trust in himself or in his own prayers. He humbly turned to others in order to know, in order to know God's will in this matter. How many of us would do that? How many of us would, would say to ourselves, I don't know it all. I need help to be led by the Spirit. I know that is not common in, in, in our contemporary time. We don't seek often the help of others to determine a direction that we should go in. But man, what if we really did that? What if we sought spiritual leadership around us, people who we appreciate and admire their, uh, their walk in the Spirit and know that they are mature in these things and seek them out and tell them, you know what, I'm not sure which direction I should go into. I'm, I'm kind of sensing this, or I'm kind of sensing that, but I would really appreciate you coming around me, and let's pray together, and or you pray off on your own, and see what the Spirit of God is saying to you about this. I think a lot of people would have saved themselves from a lot of misery had they taken that simple step of including other people into some decisions as it pertains to ministry, really as it pertains to any aspect of their lives. Woe to that person who lives on the island all by themselves when surrounded by others who could easily help them off that island, help them to make wise decisions. So, number four says, he sent messages to two of his most trusted friends, Sister Claire and Brother Sylvester. 
asking them to meet with one of their pure and more spiritual companions and seek the will of God in the matter. Immediately they gathered to pray and both Sister Claire and Brother Sylvester returned with the same answer. That's how the spirit of unity works. That's how the spirit of Christ works. He's going to give them, if the Holy Spirit is involved with it, they're going to come up with the same conclusion. And so as he sought the will of God for his life, not trusting in his own justification of what he would like to do, he sought the help of spiritual leaders, spiritual guidance, to say, you know, hey, get, get two people like you and come and y'all pray and tell me what you have. Tell me, ultimately, he still has to make the decision, but, but he sought, he was wise enough and humble enough to seek others in decision-making. You know, um, the only time the Bible tells us uh, in the Bible where it says, if it be thy will, it is directional. It means uh, it, it, is, it is what is God directing us? Where is he directing us to go? And so you can't find that in the black and white many times as far as direction, as far as the leading as to where to go. But man, wouldn't it be good to get those spiritual counsels around us who, who can help us stay in line and aligned with God uh, in our spiritual journey? I know I need that. I need that kind of, of people around me that I can throw something at them and say, you know, uh, I, I'm sensing this or I'm sensing that. Not everything, it's not, not a cookie cutter. It's not to be used this way every single time. But especially for that, that, that um, believer who's serious about his walk, has a sincerity in his walk, but hasn't, hasn't, hasn't had enough time uh, walking with the Spirit to kind of uh, be able to vet that thing out for themselves. Number five, another, another model for corporate guidance can be found in what some call meeting for clearness. Let me say that one more time. Meeting for for clearness, M-E-E-T-I-N-G-S for clearness, C-L-E-A-R-N-E-S-S, meeting for clearness. Have you ever had a meeting for clearness? A meeting for clearness? Well, that means that, that you, were, you were confused or you didn't have clarity and you are now having a meeting for clearness. Such meetings are called specifically to seek the mind of the Spirit for some individual's question. Once a gifted young man asked my counsel about his future, so he gathered a group of people who knew him well, had spiritual maturity, and were unafraid to be honest and candid with him. There were no earth-shattering visions given to my friend that night, but as this group worshipped and shared, they became a supporting community. Over a period of time, the gifts and callings of that young man were confirmed, and today, he is in pastoral ministry. <laughs> That's a wise man. You know, if it's of God, nothing can stand against him. And so you and I should be able to put things out on the table for people to say, you know what? I, I, this is of God. Or, you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm, it doesn't settle well in my spirit. And you know that they are honest and pure, and not trying to get you off of 
what God's will is for your life, that they have no other end game in it other than to help you see uh, what the will of God is in a particular situation for your life. They're not in it for themselves. They're in it for you. And you can trust that kind of person. They're not going to sidetrack you. They're not trying to go the same direction and preventing you from going there by telling you something uh, to get you off. Uh, they're mature and they can be trusted. Number six, a concept closely akin to this has been pioneered by the Church of the Savior in Washington, D.C. When any member feels that God has led him or her to establish a particular mission group or to venture into a special area of service, they sound the call, quote, sound the call, end quote. This is done at the conclusion of a worship service when the member shares the vision that he or she senses. Afterward, all who want to are welcome to meet with the person to test the call. I am certain that if this is practiced by more people, there will be less catastrophes in ministry. Indeed, if more people will practice the call, uh, the sound in the call, hey, listen, I believe I'm hearing God on something. And it could be direction, it could be changing jobs, changing locations, moving to another place, whatever it might be, sound the call. Here, here, here's, here's what I'm, I'm sensing. Here's uh, the direction that I would like to go to, but I'm not quite sure if it's just me or God is leading me. Let me sound the call. And then that re requires of us to be vulnerable to receive instead of closing down our borders and rejecting everything that we hear. And so this is something that we practice on an ongoing basis. This is something that, you know, that we, we have to become used to. And really, it's really what living in family, living in community is all about. And so if you've not been accustomed to that in life, it may be difficult to, to, to be able to, um, to lean on others for their thoughts and opinions on different things. Um, the value of family, and that's why we, we push it so much. The value of family is that you are in a place, a safe place, where people who really love you can share honestly and candid with you and, and, and cause you to meet the call. <laughs> Sound the call, that is. I'm sorry. Sound the call like, hey, I'm about to do this thing. And, I, and, and what do you think? What are your thoughts on it? I remember a professional football player, and I can't remember his name right now, but uh, uh, he was came from a tight-knit family. And, um, and so when it came to him deciding what he's going to do professionally, he gets all of his family around. Instead of agents and people who are trying to get something from him, uh, he gets all of his family around, and he goes over with them the decision at hand. And, and to the best of their knowledge, to the best of their, their ability to think objectively about the situation, they share with him. And they say, this is what we feel. This is what we see. He goes to them before he goes out to the world to seek the world's um, uh, uh, ideas and, and, and what, what they think is right. Listen, 
we have to, as a serious believer, learn how to lean on the body of Christ, learn how to live in community, learn how to sound the call. Hey, this is what I'm about to do, or this is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think about this? And I'm telling you, if some had done this before making some major moves in their life, they wouldn't regret, they wouldn't have regrets in their life, uh, tragedies in their life, tremendous failures in their life, um, things that 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 uh, will 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 leave a bent and 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 a scar and a wound for many years. Just submit it to, and then be willing, be willing. Uh, to humbly say, you know what, I submit to that. Maybe I don't feel it, but I submit to it. It will save us a whole lot. Um, number seven, it is possible for businesses, for business decisions to be made under a sense of the corporate leading of the Holy Spirit. Quakers have done so for years and have demonstrated the feasibility of such an approach. Business meetings should be viewed as worship services. Available facts can be presented and discussed all with a view to listening to the voice of Christ. Facts are only one aspect of the decision-making process and in themselves are not conclusive. Let me read that one more time. Facts are only one aspect of the decision-making process and in themselves are not conclusive. The Spirit can lead contrary to or in accord with the available facts. God will implant a spirit of unity when the right path has been chosen and trouble us with the restlessness when we have not heard correctly. Unity rather than the majority rule is the principle of corporate guidance. Spirit-given unity goes beyond mere agreement. It is the perception that we have heard from Kol Yahweh, the voice of God. Let me just let me just say this about what we just read. Is that facts are, are important, but hearing the voice of God is much more important. Facts are what they are, but they are also subject to change. Facts may seem to be negatively uh, against you, but it's the voice of God. So God may call you to a particular business or, or to a particular place, and it may not make any sense whatsoever feasibly. It may not make sense uh, uh, financially, but God is calling you to that place. And so getting cold Yahweh, getting the voice of God, uh, leaning on other people, to make the decision uh, is of tremendous value to you. It's more valuable than the financial piece that you're looking at. As a matter of fact, the right decision will cause you to prosper. It won't take things from you. Now, they mentioned the Quakers here, and I want to give you a little uh, uh, information about them. Back in, I think it was 1756, uh, before um, almost 100 years, actually over 100 years before the... Um, uh, Emas uh, Declaration of Independence. Um, the the uh, Quakers uh, used to own slaves prior to 1756. 
But you know what? They called a meeting. Not the government, not anyone else, but this body of Christians, this body of believers, called a meeting, and in their spirit, in their spirit, they knew that slavery was not of God. As they prayed about it, as they got a sense, even though they were financially uh, doing well with these slaves, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know, but I'm assuming that maybe their treatment of the slaves were better than some that were, were out there. I do not know that to be true, but they were Quakers, and, and given what we do know about Quakers, it would stand to reason that they, they treated uh, their slaves better than, better than. They were still slaves, but they were treating them better than. But you know what? They said, you know what? This is a business decision. It, we, we, it, it looks like we're going to go behind by giving up slaves, giving up this free labor. But in our hearts, we know that we shouldn't be doing this. In our hearts, we have unity. And so they released uh, their slaves in 1756. Why did it take so, uh, so long to come to that conclusion? 1756 to 1865, before there was a Declaration of Independence, the Quakers had already done it because they sought the voice of God. Not only did they release their slaves, but they also said for the years that they've been in bondage, we decree that we should pay them for those years in bondage. Whoa, <laughs> sounds like restitution to me. You know, hey, hey, I don't know where that's going to go, you know, and I don't know that anyone will ever pick up on that. But what, what, a, what a, a mindset from the Lord, what a spirit of Christ for them to conclude together that this was not right. I think it was uh, Thomas Jefferson and, and um, uh, let's see, uh, who are some other guys back in those days? Um, uh, John, uh, not John Adams, but uh, some others. Anyway, they still they they knew that slavery was supposed to be abolished, uh, uh, but they never really acted on it. You know, Thomas Jefferson was actually in towards the end. Uh, you know, he he knew and even documented where it was wrong, but they never came to unity on it. The Congress, the government, never came into unity on it. That's why we had the Civil War. <laughs> Because they couldn't unify. As a matter of fact, unity cannot become without the help of the voice of God and those who will listen to the voice of God. The reason we are where we are in our country today and the divisions that we have is that no, no, one's, no, no one consistently is hearing the voice of God from a government standpoint. I believe there are... are pockets of believers. I believe there's a remnant of believers that are truly listening to and seeking the voice of God and wanting to, to do right. Um, but we can't, let me tell you, we can't rely on government to hear the voice of God. We cannot. <laughs> it's an impossibility. You know, they're not going to unless they commit to, unless it's full of believers, of Christians who are truly, truly seeking, seeking after Cole Yahweh. The voice of God. Now I don't want to go any further with that because these subjects, these days, are hot subjects. So let's move on. Spiritual director. So let's get into this just a little bit, just a few more minutes here. I think we have at least uh, four or five more minutes. So the the uh, voice of, of the of the spiritual director. Number one, it is a beautiful expression of divine guidance through the help of our brothers and sisters. 
What is the purpose of a, of a spiritual director? The 17th century Benedictine mystic Dom Augustine Baker writes, In a word, he is only God's usher and must lead souls to God's way and not his own. His direction is simply and clearly to lead us to our real director. He is the means of God to open the path to the inward teaching of the Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit. So this, as we move into this part here, we need divine, we need people who are further up the road than we are. I'll admit that. I need people in my life who are further along in their walk with Christ than I am. And, and when we do, these people act as ushers. Now, what does an usher do? We have ushers in our church. And, and what ushers do is they guide the people to their seat. They watch out for the surroundings during uh, the church setting. They open up the door. They let people know so that people don't have to be mind or don't have to uh, overly think about, okay, where should I sit today? Or where am I going to be? Or what's coming next? And so as we lean on spiritual di directors in our life, we are, they are used like that of ushers, whereby they are, uh, we can look at them and, and get direction from them as to where do we go next. Okay, you go over there. What you do when you get there is your business, but here's how you get there. Here's the direction you should go in. So we need those people. I need those people in my life, those who have been further along the path than myself. And, and to be honest, we all do. In, in every aspect of our lives, we all do. We all need them. And sometimes you say, well, how do I get them? Well, first of all, you, you ought to be in, in a good and spiritual setting, like a church. And in that church, you should have, have met spiritual people that you'll say, they're further along than I am. Let me glean from them. Let me seek them out. Let me go after them for direction. Uh, number two, and this may be our last one, uh, the, 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 the role of the spiritual director, his function is purely and simply charismatic. He leads only by the force of his own personal holiness. He is not a superior or some ecclesiastical appointed authority. The relationship is of an adverse advisor to a friend. In other words, he's not someone who is seeking to be your spiritual authority or to uh, rule or lord over you in any way, but out of the strength of their own personality, their own character, their own walk with God, out of that strength, um, they magnetically draw people who are serious about their own walk and serious enough to say, you know what, uh, you, can direct, you, you can be a spiritual director in my life. You can be that spiritual usher in my life. But it's by the power of their own walk, their own charismata, their own charis, uh, 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 charisma, that which that comes from them, uh, almost like an aura of spirituality that you can see that person that person is serious about their walk i hope you've learned something today uh this is wednesday and uh, we receive our, our our regular uh bibles i mean our uh, offering today so if you are desiring to give today you may do so uh go to newdaycc.com
uh, and you can give online or you can mail it here to the church PO box uh, no that's not PO box it's a uh, 1023 East Union Street. Uh, you can mail it in or you can drop it off or you can come to church. You know, we have church on Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10 o'clock. We um, um, administer social distancing. Uh, our ushers, as I said earlier, they will direct you in one at a time to your seat. Uh, we wear masks. Uh, we take all the protocols very seriously. Uh, we want to do our part uh, to make sure that we're not spreading uh, any viruses or anything like that. And uh, so we, but most importantly, we trust God. He is our protector. He is our refuge. He is our fortress in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So there you go. Uh, seek it out. Remember, we're talking about a serious walk, a serious walk with Christ where we seek the guidance of Holy Spirit and all of the aids of Holy Spirit that come along, people that are right around you, wonderful uh, uh, books that you can read on people who have learned how to, to be led by the Spirit of God. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Um, God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Help us. Help us to be vulnerable. Help us to be humble. Be willing to ask for guidance. Be willing to submit our plans to those who can, can vet it for us and help us have direction. We desire not to have calamity in our life by our own stiff-neckedness and our own hard-headedness, that we do not want to yield to more experienced believers and those who are more experienced in hearing the Spirit of God. So we thank you for helping us to, to, um, to rid, uh, to put away from us anything that would cause us uh, to seek our own way, to seek our own justifications. In Jesus' name we pray this, and we receive your help by faith. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Remember, veterans, happy Veterans Day. We have several in our church. God bless you. We love you and appreciate the work, uh, your service to this country. Uh, at, um, uh, I'm certain um, our country is what it is today because of the sacrifices that many a veteran has made. So we, we applaud you. We salute you this day. God bless you very much. And have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day.